Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery, who makes sophisticated, elk-free drinks that still have all the taste of a good time. G&T without the tears, whiskey without the wobbles, and other delicious cocktails too. Switching the ritual instead of ditching the ritual is so much easier. Stay in high spirits, keep a clear mind, head to mondaydistillery.com for more. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm so excited to have the gorgeous Michelle on our podcast. (laughs) I'm excited. Most of you probably don't know who she is, but she's (laughs) Michelle is six months sober today and was one of the graduates of our October how I quit alcohol three months sober challenge. So three months done, six months done. What's Cheers. next, Shell? Oh, I feel like I'm just on the cusp of something amazing. I'm not quite sure what that is, but yeah, it's six months is crazy to think that we're here or I'm here. It's been an experience that sometimes leaves me dumbstruck for words and other times I'm just like, blah, let me tell you all about it. <laughs> I'm hoping it's a blah day for you. <laughs> You were so great. You're such a great participant in the challenge and you've taken the bull by the horn, so to speak, I guess. So it was also why I wanted you to come on today. But tell me, what was it like to tell the audience? Where was you drinking at before you started the challenge? Um, you know, when I started telling people I was sober, they were like, oh, I didn't know that you had a problem. I was drinking a lot and I was drinking on my own and I was starting earlier and earlier and earlier in the day. I wasn't so much blackout or all that kind of stuff, but it it certainly had reached a point where I knew something had to change or I was sort of teetering on the edge, like I was on a really slippery slope of um, this is either going to make me or break me. And I remember having the conversation with you on the phone before I sort of jumped in boots and all, 
And I was still still sort of trying to say, oh, it's okay, you know, it's just a couple of bottles of wine every night, you know, everybody does it, it's a pandemic, it's working from home, it's this, it's that. And and I think as someone who can recognise a drinking problem now, they were all huge flags that I just chose to see as little flags. Yeah, we see what we want to see, what makes us comfortable and we hate, you know, our subconscious hates to get out of our comfort zone too so and like so many others that the pandemic just catapulted people's drinking because I think for me it probably like the pandemic was certainly influenced where I was at but I if I'm honest it probably goes like the extent and the 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 level of drinking went back much further and I think when I work in aviation so obviously we were hit pretty hard pretty early on and I had just like so much time on my hands, just so much time on my hands. And it was just, you know, early early on, when I say early on, so going back maybe 10 or so years, it sort of we relocated our family and it sort of became my little friend because I had young kids and didn't know anybody and, you know, that bottle of wine was always in the fridge and was always, you know, usually made me a happy shell and and it became so entwined in my personality and, and who I saw as me and, you know, you and I talked about that through the challenges. Who was I going to be without that glass of wine? And yeah. that, really, that really frightened me because you become entwined in each other. You, you become yeah. friends. You become part of each other's lives. It sounds absurd, but it's, it's so not. I so agree. Like so many of us don't know who the fuck we are without alcohol. Alcohol is plays that bigger part in our lives, even when we don't realise it. But when we face with the thing of, okay, I'm going to take this away, well, who the hell am I without this? It leaves quite a big gaping hole, which is, it's so huge. Yeah. So that's a big part in dropping that label, I guess, too, of, you know, being that person, happy shell, happy shell when she has a few drinks and all the rest of it. How have you found that going forward and creating this new you? I think, you know, it was probably one of the my the biggest fear for me. And I've always been someone who thrives around people and has always got a tribe and has always busy and socially and 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 really um an innate need to be surrounded by others so to actually sit down and and analyze who I was without any of that because I think you can't when alcohol is such a significant person in your life and you remove it it affects every single relationship that you have in in your existence and that to me was was probably the hardest thing to understand and to to work through was I had to strip it right back Danny I had to strip it right back and I I still have sitting behind me on my wall the post-it note from our first coaching call which was I am enough and I still have it there because I have to have it there because I have to be enough without anything or anybody before I move forward and I think for a really, really long time, the alcohol or the wine or the the persona that I had attached to that is what I thought was me and it just isn't me. I had to really get to know who I was and that was pretty uncomfortable. I'll give you the tip because at times I was like, fuck, 
<laughs> Who are you? Where have you come from? And what have you done with that cool girl that went to Dan Murphy's every afternoon? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and getting to know yourself, like you say, like that's so massive and it's so uncomfortable, especially if we're used to having a lot of people around us. To me, it's obvious, but, you know, like there's obviously an issue there that I can't be on my own because what's that going to bring up for me, you know, and then it's dealing with all that stuff too, like what comes yeah. up when I'm on my own, when I'm not distracting myself. Interesting <laughs> and big <laughs> and big, yeah. Yeah, it is. And I think in sort of peeling back the layers, well, I don't even know whether I peeled them back. I think once I stopped drinking, it was sort of like I was standing there and I'm like, okay, I either have to, I either have to work out a way to learn to love me and whatever happens around that happens. And, you know, a big part of me, and I remember really early on in the challenge group was like, I've got to find my tribe. I've got to find my tribe. Like even still then I was just like, I need the scaffolding of other people to, to help me through this. Um, and I think part of my reaching out and part of me being such a vocal part of the group was that was it was sort of like a bit of a security blend was if I put something out there, if I say, you know, congratulations or everyone's doing so well or I really enjoyed this session, then I'm going to get some sort of validation or recognition around that as well. And that's been a realisation for me in in how I interact and communicate and connect with people in my circle you know I have lost some some dear friends and some relationships have been changed forever as part of me doing this but if the basis of those relationships was going out on the piss and only enjoying an aspect of my personality that was lubricated then that doesn't really have any substance to it So I've been coming to terms with me as someone who only has a few rock solids as opposed to a big group of people that um, don't necessarily have the same interest or the same growth or the same even mindset. Yeah, that's so true. And I remember myself like having all these friends that I thought they would just be with me until the end we were so rock solid and as soon as literally as soon as I stopped drinking I I don't see them anymore I hardly see them and it's not that they're um, bad people or anything like that I still see them and say hi but certainly haven't been to any of their houses or anything like that since and these are people I hung out with every weekend and that was huge and you're right like sometimes it does bring your circle down a lot It, it dwindles it right down but what it does is those friendships are so you realize how rock solid like some of mine are friends that go back to primary school like Lindell for example and other friends that have you know long old friendships that they're like family and then of course new people as well that it's not based on on how much we can drink so it's interesting how things shift and accepting that I remember feeling very very hurt at the start and I think it's normal to feel hurt a bit lonely and rejected as well but just being able to sit in that and just think well this is, I'm doing this for the right reasons for me and I'm, I'm not going to go back to that just to hang out with these people that clearly don't <laughs> care that much. How did you cope with that, show? And was it was it you removing yourself from those friendships or were they removing themselves? Uh, look, it's probably a bit of both. I've got people in my life who I, you know, love dearly who have 
no idea that I've even done this six months because I think my energy has changed and I think what I'm putting out there is not what they're comfortable with receiving and, you know, life goes on and I get that and we can't, as we as we become, you know, <laughs> mature, we, we don't have that, you know, that high school group and that university group or whatever it might be and we have commitments and, and that kind of stuff and, and life goes on and I, and I understand that. But I think... I think when you make a change in yourself, you start seeing things for what they actually are. And um, I think it's actually, you know, I guess when I think about it, it's it's been a a necessary process for me to get to the core of who I am and what I want to be and what my journey is and where I'm going and to be comfortable that if it's just me and a few other people in my life, then then I'm actually okay with that. Um, So... But, yeah, fuck, at times it was really hard, you know. It would be you'd want to be able to have a conversation about what it felt like to not be drinking or, what, or you know, more importantly, what it was to actually be drinking because I think so many of them had no idea of the extent and the level of um, sadness that, that I had. There's also no celebration from, from those people as well. And um, But... The people that are celebrating me now are the ones that I want to. You know, they're the ones with their actual pom poms and the cheerleaders, and the one that the ones that I'm willing to be in my I want in my corner. Like, I think I've become better at deciphering who's a <laughs> who's a shit person and who's not <laughs> without that haze of 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 booze and wine and and that kind of stuff. It's such a big shift, isn't it? And it's still early days. You know, it probably feels like a long time, but it's early days yet. And you're learning so much already, but it, that is a huge one. Like it's so big. And if you're willing to kind of accept that and those changes, it's kind of amazing what opens up, you know, and like you said, you've got, you know, there you're realizing there are people in your corner and i totally understand for people that are, that's their social group. That's what they do. They might've done that with these same people for years and gone camping with these same people. And fuck, are they going to think if I just stop drinking right now? What the hell? And that's huge. Yeah. And I think because as Australians, it's such a ingrained part of what we do and we do it from such a young age. You know, I was probably 14 or 15 when I sort of started the weekend stealing alcohol from mum and dad's cupboard and, and that kind of stuff. But I was thinking about it the other day and I just thought we never get to, by numbing out, certain aspects of our life from that young age we never actually really get to experience what it feels like to have these emotions or or the extent of the emotions that are attached to all things in our life because they're dialed down or they're not real or they're you don't remember them or they're attached to I had such a great night but then I was you know so hungover I was sick the next day there's there's no there's the authentic nature of joy and happiness and sadness and that kind of stuff you don't feel it when you're drunk and you don't feel it when you're constantly pouring this this liquid poison into your body. And I think that's been part of a learning process for me was understanding what it feels like to be happy without being drunk and to feel joy without um, pouring a, a glass of champagne or to to actually sit in sadness. Like I remember that one of the first times you told me I had to sit with my feelings, I was like, fuck, really? <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. But when you do, 
and you do sit with it, there's there's just something really organic that that sort of changes in in your energy and and it's not always enjoyable, it's not mm-hmm. always pleasant, but you come out the other end. And I find now that you know um, my highs are really high, but my lows aren't as low as they used to be. Like when you're on that booze cycle, like you know your highs were like yes, we're right up the top, where we're going, 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 and then you'd you'd hit the breaks or you'd wake up the next day and you just would have no idea what you've done and your lows were really, really low. And that's not to say that I still don't have days where I wake up and think, you know, what the hell am I doing? But the the distance between the really good days and the bad days are just so much, so, so less. Yeah, it really, really does kind of, flatten things out a lot doesn't it but I agree too. you can feel really happy and you do experience sadness for sure and sometimes I can especially when if something big comes up but it doesn't seem to grab you for as long it doesn't get quite as dark well that's been my experience and a lot of people and challenges it gave me goosebumps before when you said from at such a young age we haven't felt really I'll tell you like if that's one thing we could teach our kids learning okay what is it you're feeling where are you experiencing in your body and can you be with this feeling for a bit and just let it see if it passes through? Because every time, every time you sit with a feeling that we don't judge it, we just let it be and just give it some attention, especially when it's present in the body, which most feelings are, they always lessen. But if we stay with it, they lessen. And that's a little bit of healing. As soon as we lean into them, they let go of their grip on us yeah. so much. And we realize, ah, oh, I just endured that. That was really painful and I actually enjoyed it and I'm still alive and I'm still here and, wow, that's quite incredible. And that's how what Gabor Mate says, that's how you heal addiction is by learning, understanding and knowing in ourselves that we can actually endure pain. We can endure uncomfortable. And I think for such a long time anything, any feelings that have come up, we've sort of squashed down and whether that's with booze or whether that's with, you know, as a parent, you always try and make it, you know, you don't like seeing your children upset or hurt or anything like that. And we, we go in and, and we try and fix things straight away. And, and I've been very much like that. You know, I'm the first to put my hand up and say I'm a people pleaser and I'm a, and I've only just realised that I am very much an empath as well. So I take on a lot of everybody else's stuff and learning to feel with that and sit with it in a state where there's no chemical imbalance in your life can can be a bit daunting can be a bit you know because stuff gets real pretty quickly yeah so how have you dealt with that oh look I'll go down the usual hippie mumbo jumbo path and I I journal and I meditate and I do this and I do that uh I do do I, the goods you do I do the, the goods. goods I do the works um <laughs> I often go back to my why my why yeah. And and the why in both instances, like why did I drink and then why did I want to stop drinking and and really spend a bit of time in in both those spaces. Um, and it's sort of become a bit of a, a pros and cons list really in whenever, not that I've had any moments where I felt, oh, fuck, I'm just going to have a drink. I, I, I really I really haven't. There's been times when when I've recognised that it would have been my go-to Mm-hmm. And that that would have made life at that time momentarily easier six or nine months ago. You know, just coming off having COVID, I was very much in my mind was 
six or nine months ago, I would have had COVID and a hangover and have been trying to deal with life in that same, in that same way. Whereas this time around, you know, it wasn't overly pleasant, but my body's been healthy and it's been processing not only a, a virus, but emotions that are attached to that as well um, in, in a really healthy and natural way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Why do you think you drank? Um, I think I drank because, like, initially that's what we did. There was probably no real reason except I was a 14 or 15-year-old Canberra girl and that's that's what we did. I think in looking at it and analysing it over the last little while, and look, six months today, yes, probably 12 months in the lead-up to being part of this amazing journey, I was constantly questioning where I was at, what I was doing. You know, I was listening to stuff that I wasn't ready to hear yet, but I was starting to to plant the seed. Um, If I'm really honest, Danny, I drank because I was lonely and I didn't love who I was. I I wasn't strong enough in myself to go, you know what, she's pretty cool or she's strong, she's she's enough. And so I felt like I needed that top up. I needed that power that I felt that, drinking gave me and when I look at it now I think you know sobriety is without sounding like a wanker it's like a a much bigger superpower than you could ever get from any glass of anything so yeah I drank to be a better version of me or what I thought was a better version of me what a version of me that I thought people would wanted and and knew and would expect um Mm. Mm. and you know if I was to say I'm not drinking well there was going to be either you're pregnant (laughs) you know nope or something was terribly terribly wrong and I think that's an expectation that I had built up in a story that I had told myself probably gave me a couple of payoffs um it allowed me to keep drinking because I was like well I'm not going to let the crowd down and um I had built up what I thought people expected of me and I think that's been part of the learning curve as well is that, you know, we spend a lot of time in our own heads and um, we think a lot of people think about us a lot more than they do. It's so true. Mm-hmm. You know, we think, oh, well, if I don't drink, what about this person or what has my relationship going to be with that person or you know, and at the end of the day, they're probably at home hanging the clothes on the line, not giving a shit whether you have a drink or not. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, or they might momentarily when they're with you and then they pretty much forget about it some most of the time. But, yeah, most people are worried about their own experience for sure. So you're drinking because there's loneliness there and obviously feeling a void and feeling probably there's a people-pleasing element, maybe some confidence stuff yep. in there as well. You know, how would you feel the next day after a big night? What was going on for you emotionally, physically? Oh, look, there was always a lot of shame and I always, you know, felt by the time we sort of got to, you know, 8, 30, 9 o'clock in the morning, I'd be in the shower and I'd be having this discussion with myself about this is it, this is enough, today's the day, today's our day one, we're clean start, we get out of the shower and, like, in that 30 minutes or 45 minutes, I'd literally talk to myself out of why I would need to not drink anymore. Um, and I think that conversation that I would have with myself came about because I didn't really want to deal with what I knew I had to deal with. But waking up the next day and feeling, 
you felt less than enough because you not only have what you felt before you drank, but you had everything else piled onto how you felt, how you felt physically, you know, the sleep stuff. And I always felt like I was a great sleeper until <laughs> until I stopped drinking. And yeah, it just I it's just like piling shit onto more shit onto more shit. And you just think the way to get rid of that shit is to crack a drink and then that's going to and I think you know for most of us who who admit to having some sort of a a problem with with any substance that first drink does clear away a bit of the a bit of the shit but the second or third one it all comes catapulting back um, and it certainly comes catapulting back when you're a bottle and a half in by you know 5 30 in the afternoon and then you've still got to function for the rest of the evening and wake up the next day and you know I, I I lived a life where I thought I could do everything I could get up get up and go to the gym at four o'clock in the morning and do all that kind of stuff and when I look at it now I was functioning but not very well yeah yeah geez like you think that that poor you that poor version of you as well waking up or who's already feeling you know not confident and lonely and then waking up the next day and feeling all those horrible things as well and all that anxiety and it's just terrible and feeling even more so I'm not enough. And it just, it, it exacerbates that feeling, that old core belief that we have. And yeah, it's just, if we could just play, you know, I say this all the time, but if you could play it forward to actually how you're going to feel the next day, because that's what alcohol promises. You know, it might promise you a five minute, 10, maybe 15 minutes of, woo, maybe an hour, but fuck, there's a whole shit show that you've got to put up with after that. You know, I think so, day. and I think for me I felt like, you know, the, the clarity that's come in the last six months, I was just a fraud to my, like to myself in, in what I was presenting, in, in how I felt about myself, and, you know, if you dig down to the, the crux of it, you know, I was a shell without using a pun. I was a shell of who I am. It was just not even a sparkle of of the person that you've gotten to know in the last little while. It, yeah, I, I think that the drinking and, and the emotions attached to that and pretending I was something that I wasn't in, in lots of ways in allowing alcohol to be my confidence and to be my intelligence and my strength and presenting that as mine when I'd never really given myself a chance to show anybody that I actually have those traits innately born in me, and and that's where I that's where I think feeling like a bit of a fake or a phony came in because you were always on this cycle of just pretending, just getting through the moment. I can get to this point and I can have a drink. Then I can, you know, for me as the days and the drinking had start earlier, then I would have to pretend that I hadn't been drinking by the time the kids got home from school or James got home from work, and then you're sort of on this cycle of just pretense yeah. and the, your reality is just skew-ift. So it's any wonder you have conversations with yourself in the shower and you can talk yourself out of them by the time you've done a two-minute conditioning treatment. <laughs> so where were you Where were you at right before you signed up for the challenge or when you were starting to realise, right, I've got to do something about this, I've got to take action? I had listened stumbled across the podcast so I'd sort of started listening to that and 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 I think um I'd had started letting um the idea of sobriety sort of trickle into my life and and 
So sort of trying to put the good words between my ears and and take it in via osmosis, I guess, you know, I was ready. I wasn't sure when I was ready. I felt there was a readiness there. And I happened to stumble across a friend who I went to high school with and um, she'd sort of posted a random, random comment on a sobriety page that I followed on socials and she was the last person in the world that I would have thought would be sober because she was like, you know, the party girl and um, and no, no judgments whatsoever. And we were never a, a super tight pair of people, but we knew each other. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And, and when I'd seen that she was at her six or nine-month mark, I was like, Wow. Okay. And I actually took the plunge and I rang her and probably hadn't spoken to her since, you know, I was 19 or eight, 19 or 20. And she was amazing. She was so open and honest and um, raw and real about her why and, and how she was going. And it, it did take me another little while before I let that sort of sink in. But I think we know when we're ready. It's just jumping into that pool of readiness and and knowing um, or just having some faith that it's going to be okay. And allowing it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Allowing the, the, the process of change to unfold and, and not resist it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and I, I remember talk, when I spoke to you on the phone and I, <laughs> I was telling you, you know, I was like, oh, I have a bottle and a half or two bottles a night and you're like, God, you're giving that a nudge. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I probably am giving that a bit of a nudge. <laughs> um, and I, when I, before I hung up from you, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll just have a think about it and I'll talk to my husband. And I think I let it marinate for about 15 minutes and I didn't even talk to James. I just jumped in, signed up, paid the money and and almost instantly felt this release of something come away like the the well not the hardest part but that the decision's made now and it's that action it's mm. taking some action you know however you decide to go on this journey that first step of taking the action and then taking another step towards where you want to be it's all about taking action it's when we stop taking action that we start to slowly, slowly slip back. And I see it in the challenge. You know, I know who's going to be successful, the ones that turn up every week, the ones that do the work, the goods, the ones that are actively involved. And as as soon as I start seeing people stop taking action, I kind of know, and you know, I'll try and get them back in, but there's only so much. Like I can't do this for, you know, I can't make people quit. I can't do the work for them. They have to be willing and they have to take action. 
And, you know, that's what I think that's what that initial feeling is too, Shell, of just like I've taken some action, like even if it's getting yourself to AA or getting yourself, you know, whatever it is, you know, tipping all the fucking booze down the sink, that's one step. That's the first step. What's the next step, you know, and it's it feels good. It feels really yeah. fucking good. <laughs> It's it's such an amazing feeling, and I think it's it's been something that's flipped how I kind of operate. And I've always been a when like a, a bit of a domino effect person. When this happens, this like I just need this to happen for everything to fall into place. Or I just when this happens, I'll be able to stop drinking, or when whatever it might be. And very very focused on the outcome. And I think initially in sobriety. I was, that's what I was focused on. But the, the real switch and the real sort of aha moments came for me when I just sat in the journey yeah. instead of focusing on, well, when I get to six months or when I get to a year or when I get out of this challenge group or when I, whatever the case may be, when I stopped focusing on the end, because let's be honest, if, if we choose to do this forever, and that's certainly my aim, there is no end there is no end point. There's no yeah. date, magical date, which makes me not going to be someone that is susceptible to having an alcohol problem or there's not going to be a date in the future that changes the past. It's a constant journey. So as soon as I actually let go of the of the goal, for lack of a better word, and just focused on those steps that got me there, I felt a change and a real almost an enjoyment of, of so much of what sobriety has given me, like, um, you know, connection with people who I can't wait to actually hold and hug from our graduates group who are so dear to me yeah. that, you know, you can't really describe what, what we've got there, that, that core crux of people and that, that what that means as part of, as, as part of the journey. So um, there's, there's been lots of sort of curveballs thrown along the way that's, that's challenged how I've operated and how I've existed. And, and, and I think that's, you know, that's been really cool in a lot of ways. In some ways, you know, you get to my age <laughs> and you think, oh, I should have this all down pat. But I also think without challenging thought processes and how we do things and behaviours, we're not going, we can't grow. We can't become better. We can't. Absolutely. We, we just can't. Yeah, you, you have to, whether, you know, whether you choose sobriety or you don't need to choose sobriety, growth is, the opposite of growth is pretty not cool. Yeah, we have to keep growing. It's part of that taking the action to work on yourself, to expand and to, you know, just like, a, you know, like building a muscle, you have to tear it a little bit for it to repair. And that's what happens. We rupture and repair all the time. And when we're, you know, challenging ourselves, when we're challenging and, and sitting with our feelings and all these things, it's a bit of rupture. And then we have a repair that happens at the gym with the muscles and it grows. We have to keep growing. What we don't repair, we repeat. Yes, I love that. I love that. You know, exactly. We, and, and, you know, if you're comfortable in sitting in that bubble, knock yourself out. I'm you're probably not. not listening to this podcast. <laughs> If you're happy <laughs> in that bubble, you're questioning, you know. So, and it takes time. Like it's just, you know, like I don't want anyone to feel bad by me saying that um, because it takes time. Like it took me a long, 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 long time. And I'm still working on my stuff all the time. I'm so far from fucking perfect. So, who wants to be perfect? 
Yeah, he wants to be perfect. Like, <laughs> That'd be no I, fun. No, no. And I mean, the, the the stuff we go through and the growth that we that we endure and and evolve from, like that's what makes us funny and wise and spirited and real yeah. and raw. And you know, I'd much rather have a conversation with with anybody about something that's authentic and genuine and that you've got a passion or a drive about then you know do you want to go and get a bottle of wine from here or mm-hmm. whatever it might be and, and I'm not coming from a place of sitting in the ivory tower looking down on people not not in any way shape or form but you know you only have to sit through a few events where you're the only sober person to have an understanding that these people that think they're having an authentic connection <laughs> are so not. Yeah. Absolutely. Are so not, you know. But you think you are, right? You know, we think you are. I think that's why we end up feeling so empty and lonely too. Yeah. 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 So what did you gain most from the challenge or what did you find was the most helpful thing for you in the, within the challenge? Um, I felt that I had a group of people that understood without judgment about what it means to have a problem with alcohol. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, and God bless them, that can have a drink and move on with their life and, and be happy. I'm married to one of those people and I love him more than shoes, but, um, you know, he can have one drink every now and then and not even ever think about it. And, you know, sometimes back in the day I would want to punch him in the throat because I was just like, <laughs> what is your problem? Like how can you not not drink? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand. So I think finally actually meeting people and talking to people, albeit, um, you know, via Zoom and whatnot, who got it, the amounts like the nodding and the compassionate reassurance that um, that someone wasn't going to be tutting at you or pointing their finger and going, oh, fuck, she's got, she's got a problem, you know, that was, was initially because it, that was, you know, that, that initial um, conversation that we have in the group where we sort of go on and talk about ourselves if we're comfortable in doing it, that's quite a confronting process for someone that has been hiding themselves and their alcoholism for a really long time because it's kind of like doing a nudie run. Like you've got to <laughs> let it all let it all out there and, and hope for the best. I think my mindset, Danny, was that if I don't do this and I don't put my heart and soul and spirit into it, I'm not going to get the experience that I need to get out of it. So um, the connection was definitely massive for me, as was the accountability. Like I don't think I missed a call um, on our 12-week challenge yeah. because it was just it was I am doing this, I am doing this, I am doing it. And even the hard ones like the, the goodbye letters and the inner child stuff, the stuff that was really putting me in a place that I was uncomfortable in being, I turned up for and I turned up for and I've kept turning up to the graduates because even on weekends where I mightn't have a lot to say, I just love to listen to everybody and where they're at and what's going on. And, um, yeah, so the the accountability factor 
and and the goods like doing the goods which you know are tricky at times um and you know I've said to you in the past like I bought the playbook probably six months before I did the challenge because I thought (laughs) I could I could do this and a lot of people can and I'm I'm not saying that my story is everybody's story but I certainly remember sitting up one morning as hungover as hell with a hair of the dog at about 9.30 in the morning in bed going through the playbook going, yeah, this is not for today. I'll just <laughs> I'll just put that aside for another day. And it sat on the bench and it sat on the bench and then um, and then now it's nearly full. Yay. So good. Yeah. So good. I love that. Pretty much everyone that's. I've had on the podcast or just talking to the other grads, they love the most, what they love the most is the connection with the other people in the group. And I love as well in the graduates group that people are connecting from other challenges, you know, like people from the, you know, one of the earlier challenges and now with this sort of latest group, you know, hooking up and, you know, going out for dinners or going to see, um, like say Kelly, who Kelly Bruhaha, who's been on this podcast she's touring at the moment so a few people within the grads groups have gone and seen her play and it's so cool well they weren't even on the same challenge together and so real friendships are being formed and and beautiful bonds because it's like like you fall so deeply in love with the people on the challenge I know I do because it's such a big journey yeah just love each other (laughs) yeah and it's you know it's it's a massive journey to do for yourself but it's such a privilege to be part of someone else's journey. And I think that's mm. like what the challenge offers those that are willing to, to sort of jump in and take it on, you know, to be able to watch people nurture themselves and flourish and come out at the other end, a totally different, not just actions, but, you know, we, we said the other night at um, book club, um, we're all glowing. Like what's going on? And, you know, it was like it's a Monday night at 8 o'clock and so, you know, you're lucky if there's a bra on between the group of us. And, you know, (laughs) and we're all just sitting there and we're looking at each other and we're like just we've all just got this glow and it's, you know, it was really cool because it was so complimentary and we knew where it had come from. We knew exactly why we had a glow because we were, you know, our bodies are nourished and not dehydrated, but we're surrounded by people that give us this, we shine off each other. Yeah. Yeah. And there's genuine, there's genuine care, you know, for one another. And that's one thing I see uh, within the Facebook group and try and make that really clear early on. Like firstly, don't talk, we don't want political talk within the, because that can upset people. Um, But also always keeping in a very safe container. So not putting other people down, not getting too negative, not being rude to each other. And it has to be a very, very safe container because also dealing with people with a lot of trauma, um, people, you know, can take things. That's often why they've ended up drinking so much. So you do have to be careful, but uh, yeah. And I think also having that kind of boundary there too really helps to create that sense of safety. So that's, yeah, it's really nice. And I think it just helps people really I don't know it just takes away there's just love there I just feel like there's a lot of love there so yeah it's great it's great so shall I mean you've always had such enthusiasm 
from the our very first call together I thought, ah, <laughs> oh, yes, she's, yeah, an amazing human we've got on our hands here. <laughs> so <laughs> I always imagine, I can't imagine old Chell. I can't because I don't know her. How far away do you feel from that other version of yourself, you know, compared to where you are at now? Look, at times I feel like um, I kind of put her in the cupboard and I've closed the door and this new this new person has emerged. Um, in other ways, I feel like I've polished her off, um, and I don't, I don't mean that in a brief sense. I feel like I've pol- I've I've sanded back the rough edges, and you know, old old shell is not all that different from new shell. But this one now, I know my worth, and I know where I, where I'm wanted. I know that I'm enough. Some days a little more than enough. But that's okay too. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't look back at, at at who I was, Danny, and think I'm not necessarily ashamed of her because she got me here. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she's kind of the foundation. And at some point, this shell that I am now was actually there. She just yeah. got drunk. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And and now now it's it's coming out and. And I feel, you know, at times I've, I feel this lease of life that I don't, I've not known in adulthood. I've not known, um, you know, I've got lots of things that bring me joy, my, my boys, my kids, you know, my, my family unit. I've got some really great bonds. But there's something innately powerful about getting that feeling from yourself. Yeah. Like waking up and knowing what I'm going to do today, I'm going to do because I can do it, and I have a strength, and I have a drive, and I have a passion, and I, and I'm and I'm okay with that, and I'm not I'm not dulled down, and I'm not second guessing. That was a you know a big thing with me is I you know I've got, and I've said before like I feel like I'm destined for more. I'm not quite sure what that is. It's coming, but I'm not sure what it is. But the booze and the wine and, and that talked me out of it. It was just like, well, who do you think you are? Who wants to listen to you? Or who? what information have you got that can be shared or that people want to, to be inspired by, whatever the case may be? And to not have that inner critic anymore, it's, it's fucking amazing. It's just yeah. like, you know, my brain space is a really nice place to be mostly now yep you like who you are I do like who I am you know Mm. I do and I give her a break at times you know I just Mm. I'm not so hard on her and I don't look at myself with you know disgust anymore I look at it and go you know what you're 47 you've got two amazing kids you've got a husband who you've been with since 1903 (laughs) are fit and healthy you're you're doing all right and it's and that's there's something really powerful in you know giving yourself the old ed wink and going you know what (laughs) you're okay yeah totally (laughs) such a good place to be yeah so look we've got a new challenge coming up on may it starts on may the first there's still spots left in and anyone it's only a six weeks challenge this one yeah, right. I'm going to do a few more six-week ones just because they fill up quickly and hopefully that those people go into the grads group afterwards and then we keep keep up the goods. Lyndall takes over a lot of that. 
I would say to anyone because these it does fill up or if you think that you're not motivated to show up and actually do the stuff, you know, if you're not ready to really give it a crack and embrace this whole thing, very much about creating a supportive space for other people as well. So if that's not your vibe, <laughs> don't sign up. But I also do encourage people, if you are interested in signing up or want to know more, I'll, you know, give me a, like, send me a message and we can organise a phone chat just to make sure, you know, for what you're getting yourself into Absolutely. and making sure it's a good fit. Um, yeah, so um, anyone interested in that, signing up for May, just jump onto my website, iquitalcohol.com.au. That was a rather large plug. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, thanks, Shell. Like, you're so amazing. And I really appreciate Aww. the fact that you've, you know, come on and, and share with people listening to the podcast as well because your journey has been great and it's been great to watch. Absolutely Thank love you. it. One more question. If you could go back and speak to the younger version of you, what would you say to her? I would say a few things. Um, I would say initially you don't need anything to complete you. You are enough. Have faith. Like don't lose that trust in uh, in yourself. And I, I think I like just that you're enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what the world thinks and what other people think uh, don't shouldn't hold any real relevance to you. And you know, don't question your your inner voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen to that because she's wise, man. You know, like she's yeah. she knows stuff that you don't know. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I think you know a lot of what drinking did was was kind of drowns that voice out yep absolutely in in so many ways and and when she's sort of when you start listening again like you think why the fuck did I stop listening to you like you know you know you know what you're on about and um you you know where you want to be and where you're going to go and 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 I think that's that would be the, the the crux of it for me is that you know um you're enough listen listen to yourself and have have a bit of faith yeah that's amazing yeah yeah remember in the challenge when you wrote i'm enough in lipstick on your i know (laughs) i love that everybody was like yes i'm doing that too i'm doing that too (laughs) (laughs) i love that I still do. I still, I have proper texters now. I don't use lipstick, but (laughs) (laughs) I do. And I, and I write on the, um, in the boys bathroom. And now I write bits and pieces on their, on their mirror as well, because you, you know, you spend a bit of time in there and, and sometimes you just need a gentle reminder that you are enough or that it's all going to be okay. Or, you know, whatever, whatever your, whatever quote is inspiring you to, that you get need to yeah, get up there on your mirror. I think that's a beautiful thing to do. I might do that on my kids' mirror as well. Go write them a little love note. Yeah, it's it's nice. It's um, it's a it's a small little way of um, way of connecting. And I've done bits and pieces like that over the years. Like and I've had with both the boys. Um, so Isaac's nearly twenty, and he's in the air force, so he's not here anymore. But when he was sort of in that awkward 
10 through to 13 space. You know those old school diaries that have a lock on them? Like we all had them going back in the day. Yeah, yeah. So what I would do is I bought one of those for him and I, and if we had something we wanted to communicate to each other that we didn't think we could say verbally or wasn't going to be heard how it was intended to be heard, we used the diary and we put it on each other's the end of each other's beds. And it was such oh. a beautiful way to communicate, particularly with boys, um, you know, getting them comfortable with expressing emotions and feelings and things like that. And sometimes it was little silly stuff and like, what do I want in my lunch tomorrow for school? And then other times I remember it was, how would you feel if I had a girlfriend? And so then we sort of talked about respect and things like that. We didn't do it every day, but it was just one of those things. You sometimes come into the bedroom and you'd see the little diary on the end of the bed and you'd be like, okay, he's got something to tell me. And I've still got it. I'll give it to him at some point. I was going to say, we still got it. How gorgeous is that? And such a nice way to be able to communicate. My daughter, Sunny, said to me, she was feeling really, um, I noticed, like she was quite flat the other day. And I'm like, what's going on, bub? And she wouldn't tell me for ages. And then she said to me eventually, she's like, I just, I would tell you, but all you do is coach me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I just want you to listen and not coach me. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I could do that. And fucking hell, I had to force myself not to coach her and just actually sit and listen, which is what I bang on about all the time, like sitting and listening to your feelings rather than, and that was a big lesson for me. And to sit there and just let her be heard and just let her express yeah. it and, and, and process it. And um, yeah, I had a similar huge. moment through the week with my, with my sister and, you know, um, I've done the life coaching stuff. I haven't moved very forward with it, but I've, you know, I've got that because I felt like it was something I was doing very organically mm-hmm. prior to sort of formalising it. Which you'd be amazing at, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and we were having, I was having a conversation with my sister via text and realised I'd automatically jumped into life coach mode and blah 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 blah. (laughs) and then I I I took a step back it wasn't until the next morning and I actually replied and I said totally understand also if you just want five minutes to vent and I won't say I'm on mute like mute me so I get I get where you're coming from and I think that was the beauty of the little diary system was that Mm. you had to sit and read it yeah and you had to put thought into your reply it wasn't like this innate this is what I'm going to say, or this is what I would say to a client, or this is this is what I'm going to say because I've got my coaching hat on. You, you have to really sort of pause and and think about your reply, and also think about the age of the person that you're replying to, because what you and I would say to each other is going to be inherently different than what you would say to a tween. <laughs> well, I've had I've had my nine year old say to me, "Mum, that's not how kids talk." <laughs> Funny. Yeah. Get used to that girlfriend because it changes like that. I'm, I think I'm really up with it with, you know, like I got the boys to teach me how to use Snapchat the other week and I'm just like snapping all over the place and they're like, we don't use that anymore. And I'm like, really? Oh, no. <laughs> I just learned it five minutes ago. I just learned it. I'll send you a fax then. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and for being part of the challenge and for just being a huge inspiration for everybody oh. and... <laughs> oh, you're you're amazing. You really are, and I Thank just you. 
look forward to you know just getting to know you more and more as as well, our- I, I you know I think of you most days when I'm doing something and I you know I know that I've done the work but I've had an amazing guide in you and the lovely Lyndall um you know oh, to to get us through so I you know I'm so grateful to have you a couple of angels on my side um and can't wait till we can have an actual retreat or a reunion of some sort no. touch each other I know or just like catch up for a um kombucha in Brisbane sometime yes and I won't wear my coaching hat <laughs> <laughs> I won't wear mine either <laughs> Awesome. Oh, thanks, Shell. I'll I'll see you real soon. All right. Thanks, Dan. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.